feels better. <laughs> Let me tell you, this week's been a, it's been a battle. Has anybody else faced that? It has been a battle. This week, I, I, uh, you know, I was preparing for this morning, and I, I had a sermon rolling. I mean, the Lord was feeding it to me, and then about Wednesday, it was like this water faucet from heaven that's been pouring into me all week long. It's just like it was shut off, and I, I was, and it's not like it's not like there were little drips coming out. I mean, it shut off, okay. And about, so Wednesday through Thursday, I was wrestling with this. I said, Lord, what is going on? You gave me a word, and now, you know, it's not something I feel like you're leading me towards. I can't even seem to get it complete now. And the Lord, well, I need to preface with this. It it was Thursday night when this happened. I finally said, Lord, I need an answer right now. Because I knew just for a little bit of my week, okay, I knew... It was Thursday night, and all I had was Friday because Saturday I had an out-of-town trip with some family members to go do some work with something. And I said, Lord, all I've got is the rest of tonight, and there ain't much of tonight left. And I said, and it's going to be Friday tomorrow, and I need to have a word for that church. Now, Lord, I need an answer. And I was serious. <laughs> and the Lord reminded me of something, and he, uh, I'm going to read it off to you. He reminded me of a story that... I was uh, shared with actually it was my aunt Betty who shared me the story uh, from her devotional that she uh, she shared it with me mm. I don't have it memorized so I'm going to read it to you or I'm going to try it says once there was a man who dared God to speak burn like the bush or burn the bush like you did for Moses God and I will follow Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua, God, and I will fight. Still the waves like you did on Galilee, God, and I will listen. And so the man sat by a bush near a wall close to the sea and waited for God to speak. And God heard the man, so God answered. He sent fire, not for a bush, but for a church. He brought down a wall, not of brick, but of sin. He stilled a storm, not of the sea, but of a soul. And God waited for the man to respond. And he waited, and he waited. But because the man was looking for bushes, not hearts, bricks, not lives, seas, and not souls, he decided that God had done nothing. And finally, he looked to God and asked, have you lost your power? And God looked at him and said, have you lost your hearing? So Lord spoke to me and he said, son, what are you looking at right now? And while I was working from what I thought the Lord was speaking to me, he said, look at the church. And as soon as he said that, he gave me a message. And it was a message I'd already preached somewhere else. And um, a matter of fact, it was a sermon I preached at Southwestern Assemblies of God University. And um, when I preached it, a lot of you asked me, you know, won't you preach it here? 
And uh, at the time, I just didn't feel like the Lord was leading me. And now I know why, because he was saving it for a time like this. So I pulled one out of the file cabinet for y'all this morning. All right? Are y'all ready to hear some preaching? If you would, if you would, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 and 31. It is so good to see you, Sonny. I'm so happy you're here. Now, we're not going to open up. Let me move this out of the way. Uh, We're not going to open up exactly to our text just yet, but it's good to have it ready. I feel pretty confident to say that it's probably a safe bet that you're not the same person you were 10 years ago. Years pass. Lifestyles, they change. Some of you weren't parents 10 years ago. Some of you weren't grandparents 10 years ago. Some of you didn't have the things you're dealing with 10 years ago. And being believers, our lives revolve around seasons, times, and eras where we're exposed to different experiences. And we are involved in new things. Beginning at infancy through to whatever our spiritual present-day reality looks like, we have constantly been growing physically and in maturity. But do you also realize that there's a spiritual growth that has been taking place? There's always a spiritual side to everything we experience in the physical. We have walked through doors, hallways, in rooms, homes, down sidewalks, and we've trekked many a mile on a highway but we have also walked through spiritual battlefields. I remember my grandpa telling me a story of a lady in a nursing home decades ago testifying and praising the Lord that someday he's going to come take her off of that smoky battlefield of life. That's some imagery, isn't it? We have, got, we have had to be guided over minds just under the surface that we would not have known of if it had not been for the Spirit's discernment. We have had to traverse this maze of life, bypassing as many dangers and toils and snares as possible. And daily we learn the struggle of laying aside every weight that so easily besets us. Being believers, we have gotten to experience the joys of dwelling in that secret place of the Most High and abiding under that shadow of the Almighty. We are beholden to the Lord, who is our shepherd, for the times we have gleaned and basked in his glory as he made us to lie down in green pastures and as he led us beside still waters. And though there have been other times that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we rely totally on his rod and staff for comfort, so we will fear no evil. Amen? I, I know for myself, uh, for sure, uh, and I'm assuming for you, that we could say with you know, confidence that it's, it's interesting to look back over the years and see how different occasions laid a foundation for what makes us who we are today. Nothing for me invites a spirit of thanksgiving like getting to look back at the faithfulness of God's hand at work in my life. There's a lot of things that take place in our lives that we take for granted, but the steps of the righteous are ordered. And when we get on the other side, we're going to look back and we're going to know The Lord was with me every step of the way. 
as we do appreciate the many times where God has pulled us out of the fire and we have gotten to see his goodness at work, there are still seasons when he can be hard to see. There are a lot of times that as believers, we do not feel the way that sermons, you know, propose that we're supposed to feel. Uh, There are times when his ways don't make sense. There's a lot of times when our prayers feel like they're hitting a brick wall. And there's times and occasions when the songs of victory that we sing, like the ones that we just sang, it feels like they're just a little too far out of reach. But even in the midst of our chaos and dismay, it's going to be in our text this morning that we're encouraged to understand that we can have confidence in the faithfulness of God. So if you'd look with me in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 and 30, we're going to dive in deeper into times when we just don't have the strength for the walk. Sometimes we just don't have the strength for the walk. Is everybody there this morning? It says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Looking at the context of our passage this morning, Isaiah is relaying a message to the Israelites who have just come out of captivity from Babylonian exile. Okay? The heart of his message expresses that even the best of us experience struggles. The best of us do. But even still, God gives us strength. Amen. Something we can hold on to. You see, the point of this was to encourage the Israelites to become servants of the God who delivered them. But that's not what happened. Quite the opposite took place, actually. Because what we see is a seed of doubt that quickly grew roots and projected a voice of misunderstanding which exclaimed accusation and doubt in the power of God. That's where the Israelites were. We see Israel pondering this notion of God disregarding their cause because they suffered through the exile. And their mindset was that God must not be the most powerful God that there is based on what we had to go through. It didn't line up according to their plans. There's a popular phrase in our culture today, and it's the phrase, it's okay not to be okay. Has anybody heard that? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very uh, well-used phrase, and, and honestly, I think it's pretty telling of the state of our culture, um, seeing how hurt and distraught society is right now. It, it's okay not to be okay is what everyone says. And nevertheless, I find that statement to be absolutely true. It's okay not to be okay sometimes. But in reality, if, if we as the human race were always okay, if we were always in this good place, this, this perfect state, if we were just ecstatic all the time, what place would there be for a Savior? What need do perfect people require? Because the fact of the matter is, is that in the book of James it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You need to understand today that it's not just physically where we grow weary. But 
rather our spiritual walk can cause us to grow weary as well. Are you following me today? It's the spiritual walk that can cause us to grow weary. It's, it's the things that make us tired. Or it, it's as we journey with the Father through spiritual growth and maturity. That's not a cakewalk. It's in those times that can provide an excess of exhaustion and need for renewal. And so it's important to realize it's okay not to be okay sometimes. Now, we don't live in distraught. We don't live in fear. We don't live in stress and anxiety. But sometimes it's okay not to be okay. And I think that the parallel between Israel and the church today is extraordinarily evident. When we are weary, doubt and God creeps into our lives because while he is offering strength to the weary and power to the weak, we recline in our lazy boy of complacency and small-mindedness. And we accuse God of not working when, where, and how we would have liked it. But there must be an understanding that weariness is a part of the walk, and it's okay not to be okay Sometimes. You see, I'm a believer that some of the greatest miracles grow in the hardest soil right across the river of our own tears. Our hardship produces perseverance, church. And when we, uh, and when we become weak, you've got to know there's something you can do about it. And that's where we're going to go right now. There's something you can do about it. So with this again... Uh, Let's look to the scriptures as Isaiah takes it a step further. All right, verse 31, the first part of, or excuse, yeah, verse 31, the first part of it we're going to read. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Can you all say that with me? But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. In this first section of verse 31, Isaiah presents to the Israelites, and thereby to us, this concept of holding on to the hope of the Lord. And sometimes hope can feel slippery. It's like, you, you know, maybe I can see hope, but I can't hold on to it for myself. But what does it mean to hope in the Lord? What does it mean to hope in the Lord? In the King James Version, it says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, What's this idea of waiting? What's this idea of holding on to hope in the Lord? Well, I'll tell you what it means. Holding on to hope in the Lord, waiting on the Lord, it means you can have confidence in the waiting, in this time of waiting. You can wait and have confidence knowing that there is purpose in the season that you're in. And right now, in the time you're at, you can live with expectation for God to pull through in your life and hold on to that you see in our world today there are forces pulling you left and right trying to get you to place your confidence in them and the lifestyle that they're promoting they're going to try to pull you in and they're going to try to make you walk across eggshells just to disorient and overwhelm you from whatever foundation you had once built your life upon and the fact is that these forces they use sources to deal their ill works out across humanity 
the sources are pawns that are naive enough to believe that they receive such insights of destruction and power from their own wit. When in reality, it is the forces of darkness inspiring such deceit, such comparison, such pride, such hatefulness, such malice, such such evil, sinful lifestyle in their living. But this is no ambiguous force. It is flat out the devil, and people are blinded enough to, bu- to be played by a chess piece that was already defeated off the board over 2,000 years ago when Christ laid his life down for the church that all might come to know him. The blood will still cover you today, and God is still on the throne. But listen to me. Wherever you are in your life and whatever you're living with right now, you take heed to this. There is only one voice in which we should ever consult for the trajectory of of our lives and it's this holy book right here it's this holy book this holy bible a lot of you are saying lord give me a word god give me something lord i need to hear your voice stop listening for a voice and look at the word and that is what will traject your life in the name of jesus this book right here is the only source and it's never going to leave you astray it will never lead you astray it's impossible for that book to lead you astray it's going to illuminate biblical truth tailored directly to the season that you're in. And you can read a passage 12 different times, the same passage 12 different times, and in 12 different time zones of your life. And it will give you something you need every single time because this Bible is living, it's inspired, it's inerrant, and it's infallible. And the gospel is for you. It's important to understand that biblical faith is not irrational. It's not irrational. A lot of us think, oh, well, faith for that. Faith to move a mountain? That's crazy. I mean, I can have faith that maybe some way my bills will be paid, but not to move a mountain. Lord of mercy, no. Biblical faith is not irrational. What biblical faith does is takes us beyond our ability to reason. Because you didn't write this book. Someone far higher and far greater than you wrote this book. And it's the, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. God inspired saints years ago to write this book. You're not the author. Your brother's not the author. God is the author. And you can't comprehend his ways. What's right and wrong is not predicated on behalf of your knowledge. What is right and wrong is determined by the high and mighty ways of God that are far beyond our reason and understanding. This right here kind of reminds me of a story of a a couple pretty young, mischievous boys. I don't know if y'all have heard this before, but, you know, they say when you have one boy, you've got a full boy. Then when you get two boys, you have half a boy. And when you get three boys put together, there's no boy at all. Okay, so in this story, there's two boys and we're working about half of a brain capacity here. Okay, so these boys, they got a hold of their preacher's Bible. And they glued some of the pages together. And the preacher stood up to deliver his sermon and he read his text. Okay, he read his text and said, and in those days. Noah took unto himself a wife. And he turned what he thought was one page. And he continued to read. And it said, And she was 
15 cubits broad, <laughs> 35 cubits long, made out of gopher wood, on, daubed on the inside, full of pitch. And he said, brothers and sisters, I've never read that in the Word of God before, but if the Word of God says it, I believe it. <laughs> Amen. We're wonderfully, fearfully made. <laughs> Isn't that right? But what's as funny of a story as that is, it's the confidence he had in the Word of God. We have to reverence this book as what it is, inspired, inerrant, and infallible. We have to have confidence in the waiting. Confidence in the waiting. What are you looking at today? Is it a hardship? Have confidence in the waiting. God's working in ways you can't see right now. You might as well take that as a prophecy because it's just truth. We can have confidence in the waiting. There are circumstances which lead us to having to wait. I mean, everyday circumstances. We go to a drive-thru. We have to wait for something that's probably not worth. We go to an amusement park. We have to wait. I mean, I don't. I don't I'm not an amusement park person at all. Um, but for those of you who go, y'all wait for a roller coaster that will kill you. We go to the dry cleaners. What do we do? We drop off clothes and we wait. You're expecting a baby? You have to wait. And a lot of times you're not happy through most of it. You have a doctor's appointment? You have to wait. Now here's something. The doctor's appointment, it's not always pleasant. They're not always pleasant. There's a lot of times when you're at the doctor's office when it's unpleasant because you don't know what he's going to have to tell you. It's the uncertainty of the whole event and matter. But doctor's visits, unpleasant, especially especially in the waiting room. Because sometimes you're alone for hours, and other times you're completely surrounded by others suffering all sorts of terrible ailments. You've got somebody coughing only God knows what over here. Someone over here crying because something's broken. Someone's bleeding out in the corner. You're surrounded. You're either alone or you're surrounded by chaos. And the waiting, the waiting room can be lonely or it can be infested. The waiting room suggests that illness is present. The waiting room fosters anxiety. There is uncertainty and stress for those in the waiting room. But as believers, we don't necessarily have to feel that way. We don't have to feel that way. For blood-washed saints of God, we can have confidence in the waiting room because we know that we've already made an appointment with the physician. Do you see where I'm going with this? You've already made, if you're saved today, you've already got an appointment with the physician, the wonderful counselor, the prince is waiting on behalf of you right now. Uh, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, he's waiting for you. And as believers, the waiting room, we have to know, it doesn't last forever. And while it may be a burden now, just around the corner is God standing there. And your time to go see the physician is drawing nearer and nearer. You're about to see the one who has the answers, church. What are you dealing with? The physician, is. your time is coming nearer and nearer. You have faith confidence in the waiting when we recognize that although not everything makes sense and some things don't always line up the way that we expect them to 
It's the confidence we have in the absolute authority and faithfulness of God which will renew our strength. Who can think of something right now where you can say, the Lord pulled me out. The Lord pulled me out. Hands are all over this house. How quickly we forget what God's done for us in the past. It's like the disciples on the boat right after Right after Jesus fed the 4,000, they said, we only have one loaf of bread. What on earth is going to happen now? Do you remember what just happened? The Lord has done things for you in the past, and he will be faithful to do them in the present. Don't you ever forget that. It's when we rely, it's when we rely on that Holy Bible as our guide through life that we gain the perspective of Christ. It's when we follow the nudge of the Holy Ghost that we are led down paths of righteousness, bringing in a harvest for the kingdom of God. When you follow the nudge of the Holy Spirit, don't ever underestimate what you might run into. Powerful things. This all has to do with waiting in the confidence of who God is and what his character says about him. We can have confidence in the weary times when it doesn't all make sense because God is still the king of every situation. And this world is only a stepping stone to where we're headed. This world is only a stepping stone to where we're headed. Don't let the struggles of life bind you down for what tomorrow might bring when that trumpet might just blow. We have to live rapture ready. We have to live rapture ready, but not ever forget that there's still a mission while we're here. So knowing this, it's important to grasp that while you're supposed to be confident in the waiting you need to also be able to look ahead and see that there's a reward for your faithfulness. There's a reward for your faithfulness. So looking at the remainder of our text in verse 31, it reads, now this is a good one right here. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Does that make anybody happy this morning? Does that encourage anyone? Through our text, Isaiah makes it clear that there is renewal of strength that God brings as a product of remaining confident in him. A product of remaining confident in him. God's going to give you strength. And this was Isaiah's message to the Israelites. As a prophet... He was making a case on behalf of God, proclaiming the reward of our faithfulness. And we receive a great picture from Isaiah right here in the verse, because it says that they will soar on wings like eagles. And now some of you may remember this illustration that I'm about to share with you. I've used it in the past, and I'm likely going to use it again. But when a mother eagle lays eggs, and they begin to hatch... She watches her baby eaglets carefully. And as they grow, she stirs them up a bit so they will not be contented to lie in the nest. She then flutters over them to make them want to use their wings just as she does. And then she pushes them out of the nest and flies down beneath, carefully watching them so no harm will come to her children. And when her mother eye sees little wings growing weary. She spreads out her great strong wings. She spreads out her great strong wings, catches them, and bears them back to the nest 
for rest. But you see, the nest is always very high, very high. And a fall would mean the end of flying. But the mother eagle knows when it's time to shake the young out of the nest and when to fly down to bring them back home. Is that not what God does for us? God bears us on eagles' wings. You see, the Lord is always there, ready to save us. He's soaring on wings, just like that of the mother eagle, looking after her young. And and those wings of the eagle, they're there to catch us and carry us back to safety. We get stirred up in our lives, and we're ready to go, we're ready to see, we're ready to do this, that, and the other thing. We get excited. We're doing what we're made to do. But with time, we get weary. We get weary. Y'all feel weary sometimes. The time we get weary. And our precious Jesus, when we get weary, he knows just when to fly under us, when it's time to spread out his wings, and when it's time to catch us and carry us back home to our nest for a time of rest. This comes not from a strength that we can acquire ourselves, y'all. Rather, we gain this strength because we can have confidence in the faithfulness of God that when we're struggling and we're flapping our little eagle wings and we don't know what's going to happen, it's him. He's already down below us. He's already made the move that we haven't seen. And just like that, we'll be on his wings, soaring back to the nest, soaring back home. You take hope in that. And you might as well consider it a promise because it's words. This is not some sort of a shout, spit in the first three aisles kind of sermon. But it's what the Lord put on my heart for you today. This is not some strength that we manufacture from our own power or swiftness in time of need. It is nothing that comes from our own ambitions, but rather we gain this strength from our confidence in the faithfulness of God that in trying times when we feel we cannot make it, it's our Father who sweeps down below us. He's going to bear us up on eagle wings and take us back home for the renewal of our strength. And that, my friends, is the reward we have for our faithfulness. You stand firm in the faith, Christian soldier, and you keep walking the race set before you. The Lord has never left you yet. He never will. And you can count that He He's already under you. What circumstance are you faced? Do you not know how you're going to pay your bills? Do you not know where your children are right now and what kind of life they're living? Let me tell you something. God is going to bear you and them up on eagles' wings, and he's about to carry y'all home for a time of rest. I believe that. You may be one who feels as though you're falling, as though you're spiraling from a place you had once thought of as safe. You might have been fully confident, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. But now you feel as though you're falling and spiraling from somewhere you had counted as a safe zone. And you don't know what to do because all you can see is the impact that seems, as, that seems inevitable as you continue going further and further away from the nest where you belong. Let me tell you something. It's they that wait upon the Lord that shall renew their strength They shall mount up on wings as eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's say that together. I don't know why I'm having you repeat stuff today, but you need to get this in you. They that wait upon the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. They will walk and not be faint. Hold on to that. I just wish I could get this in you so bad because this church is struggling in some areas. Not necessarily the church as a whole, but I'm talking about you as the individual. Some of you are struggling, and I wish I could get you to hold on to this, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not grow faint. You hold on to that, church. Right now, I, I want the worship team to come, in, come on up. And I want to ask you all a question. Has God personally spoken to you? And given you a promise that you're waiting any day now to come through. Do you have a circumstance in your life that you know is not in right standing with God? Or are you waiting on a miracle to take place? Because without God, you know it's impossible. Some of you today are looking at big eternal things. Such as loved ones who have grown cold. Who don't know the Lord. And they're lost. And if they were to die right now, they wouldn't make it to heaven. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. Some of you might have received a diagnosis that doesn't look good. Or there's no, ho- no, no hope for how your bills are going to be paid. Or how, if you're a student, how your school bill is going to be paid. You know what? I can't promise that today's the day he's going to bring whatever it is on and pass it into fruition. I can't promise you that. But can I promise you something? That his Holy Spirit is here right now. Now, don't don't, don't brush this off. Do not brush this off. His Holy Spirit is here right now to bring you the strength you need in your heart and the comfort for your soul. The strength to your heart and comfort to your soul that you so desperately need. You see, it's my great desire for you to recognize that even in our times of weariness and waiting, it's the faithfulness of God that will always prevail, bringing the renewal, strength, and comfort that we need. You know, right now the devil is coming after this church hard. I mean, he's doing it hard. He's angry about something. He is angry about something. He, He tried to take our pastor out, but look how good he did. Right now, he's trying to cripple up my mother, but he's failing. I could name probably 25 different circumstances of you people in this church, but I don't have liberty to do that, so I'm not going to. But the devil's failing, but he is angry. He's hit many of you in your homes with situations very near and dear to your hearts. But I would like to remind you this morning that the devil never attacks what he doesn't see as a threat. If you're experiencing darkness attacking your life, you ought to consider it a privilege. Because that means the devil just showed you his hand. Are you under attack? Congratulations, because the devil considers you a threat. If the devil is fighting you, pat yourself on the back because you did something good enough to tick him off. 
And as I was reading in the book of Mark not long ago, I noticed how often it was that when Jesus would show up to a situation, long before a right-minded person ever would notice him, it was a demon or a demon-possessed person that would call him out. It was many times. It was the devil who would call him out. He would say, shut your mouth, be seated, be quiet, do not manifest any longer. And he cast them out. It was the devil that would recognize him before the person would. But you know what that shows me? That, that, that tells me that when the devil raises his ugly head, you had better look out because Jesus is making a grand entrance into the front door of your life. And he's about to do something that the devil sees that y'all might not be able to see right now. You hold on to hope. You and I have got to remain confident in this, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You are the head and not the tail. You are a child of God. You are a blood-bought, precious believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your battle's already won. The devil's just bitter. He can't take you where he's going. The devil reminds you of your past. You show him his future. You show him his future. Let me tell you something. If people are trying to bring dirt on you, you shake that off. Because that was your old life. That's like trying to rob something out of your old house. That's not your stuff anymore. Amen? The devil's fighting some of you. And it's time you rebuke him off of your life. The blood still works. you just got to know how to put it to practice. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's all about confidence in the waiting. Yes, there is weariness in the walk, but when you have confidence waiting... God will reward your faithfulness. Your faithfulness reflects your confidence in God, which he therefore rewards. So this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite anyone who wants to, who's struggling with something. It doesn't mean you're in deep sin. It means the devil's trying to kick your rear end. I'm going to open these altars up. No one's going to come spitting in your hair, screaming and shaking you on the forehead. We're going to stay distance, okay? Don't freak out. We have a janitor who cleans all this stuff every single week. Don't be afraid of an altar. And I'm going to invite you down to the front if you'd like to, or if you don't feel comfortable, even still, pray in your seat. But they're about to sing. And what I want you to do is I want you to recognize that the Holy Spirit is here right now, And he's ready to meet the need in your life and bring you the comfort. There's weariness in your walk. you got to stay confident in the waiting because God's going to reward your faithfulness. He's already beneath you with his wings outstretched, ready for you to be rising up on wings of eagles. Amen. So if you want to come forward to pray, you can. If you want to stay where you are, you can. It does not matter to me which. But let's take a moment and let's pray. And let's just, let's worship the Lord and reverence his presence this morning.
Jesus' name.